0: here with Crosstown Conversations. Oh my God, do we have a show for you today. Um, The first half of it is going to be a little rough because we are talking about, on Valentine's Day, a place we love, Louisiana, but we're talking about some people who don't love it maybe as much as we do in its natural form, let's put it that way, who are... um, Not only, I would have to use the word editorially, ravaging the land and our water and our lifestyles, but um, are, are also piling on with a lot. I just found out, how many?
1: 111, and counting.
0: That there are at least currently 111 more plants coming on um, stream. And I don't mean living green ones. I mean the big guys that, that spew out pollutants.
2: Those are plants or, ex- or, or additions to, yes. to existing plants.
0: Additions to. All right. First of all, we'll let everybody introduce themselves so that you know who's in the room. And uh, as, as I uh, ask questions and you answer, just remind who you are, who's speaking. And uh, I have two exceptional reporters and I just told them that the article that I worked from for this show, I have more underlinings in, and in pink, of course, because it's Valentine's Day, um, than any article probably that I've ever um, marked up before. And um, Mark Schliffstein, who is my uh, longtime environmental hero, who I have been following for years, um, who also did another story just recently about um, benzene, is it? Yep. Uh, which is a nasty pollutant that um, we are eighth in the country for spewing that out into our air and um, I've been calling every reporter I have a phone number in my in my directory for for the past many months saying um, hey guys it really seems like I'm smelling a lot more stuff where I live on Esplanade in um, you know in in the Treme uh, than I used to what's going on please look into it and in the meantime um, this national study came out, and, and Mark brought it to us. So maybe we should start there, because I, I want to get into this chronology that Sarah did um, in, in her recent article that is really horrifying. But first introductions. Mark?
2: Okay. So I'm Mark Schlefstein. I'm a longtime environment reporter here in town, been here for 36
0: years.
1: Won a few awards. <laughs> I'm Ann Rolfes. I am the director of the Louisiana Bucket Brigade, and I've been working with communities along Cancer Alley since
3: 1999.
1: Thank you so much for being there and doing that. And
3: I'm Sarah Sneath. I'm a reporter with um, the Times-PQ and the New Orleans Advocate. Mark is my mentor, and three years ago, I got to start working with him.
0: And she's going to win some awards, too, I'm sure, down the line. All right, so let's start, as I said, with Mark about the benzene study that just came out.
2: Sure. So uh, basically, this was a study that was done... Of uh, companies, uh, refineries specifically across the country uh, that are uh, putting out uh, more benzene that is being monitored at fence lines uh, than the the uh, than the standards that uh, EPA has put in place, uh, and uh, uh, it, Louisiana ranks up there uh, in terms of uh, the number of facilities. It's uh, got one on the top ten list of uh, the ones that are being monitored for chronic exposure, and I think it has four uh, that have uh, problems with more acute exposure issues. Um,
1: Name them, please.
2: Um, mm. well, oh, <laughs> you're
1: that that Chalmette Refining. Mean. That was yeah. Chalmette Refining.
2: Yeah, okay. So ExxonMobil. Is Chalmette, ExxonMobil, um, is it Valera? And Placid. Placid, uh, Placid, and then um, is it's, it Valero? Or? It's those three
0: that I know uh, that I know yeah. of. I think it has um, to be Valero okay. too, because um, uh, that, that's, that's the anyway. That, yeah. So, on.
2: so there. Uh, actually, it's not Valero because oh, you're, you're thinking of the Valero in in um, in Chalmette and that's that's not that's it. That's not it's, it. I'm glad um, to hear that. It's uh, one of the motivas. I think one of the. it will come to you as we talk. It's one of the shell facilities. Okay. So so uh, benzene. Uh, the 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 problem, you know, EPA and the and the companies all, uh, you know, they they, uh, their argument is that gee the the you have to place this into the context of the broader exposure that people have from benzene. Benzene is in gasoline, so every time you fill your car. Uh, now in Louisiana, especially since the uh, ozone, uh, the five parishes that were under ozone restrictions have dropped their restrictions on having those those clunky things on the ends of the gas uh, fillers uh, that would use, usually block the ability of uh, fumes coming out of, out of your gas tank. Um, the, there is benzene that gets into the air when you fill your car. There's benzene that gets into the air when you... Are driving your car and there's benzene that gets into the air from a variety of other facilities that are operating that are not refineries. But what was important about this is that these specific refineries have significant amounts that are measured at their fence line, which means that the production processes are um, have, clearly, uh, cl- clearly have problems, and the the rule under which these were were uh, monitored requires the companies to go in immediately, within a couple of months, and find out what's wrong, and then come up with a plan for fixing them. And indeed, um, uh, some of the facilities have already done, have already uh, moved towards. Um, deadlines for when they will complete the work that is supposed to reduce the, the emissions uh, to below the monitor levels.
0: So when you say below the monitor levels, um, that doesn't eliminate...
2: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, they would still be allowed to have um, uh, uh, benzene releases up, until, up, up to these, these standards, and some believe that the standards are not adequate. Um, and that's that's a continuing issue, um, and it's probably going to have to wait for um, the next election for uh, it to be, play out in both Congress and in the EPA.
0: So you mentioned something about um, a change in the requirements regarding the um, – diminution of benzene coming from cars is that something that was done by this current administration so no uh, what
2: um, uh, on the what happened is that uh, there were five parishes in Louisiana that historically have had um, levels of ozone uh, causing chemicals that were higher than the national standards which is 70 parts per million and and Uh, at one of the restrictions that was placed on them, including there were huge amounts of restrictions that were placed on those five parishes, including restrictions on uh, uh, what industries could could put out additional emissions of the particular types. Um, But one of the things that was done was uh, uh, the federal law said, okay, well, in addition to going to the chemical companies and asking them to remove some of this stuff, uh, you're also going to have to do something about the cars and uh, because they're key Components of, of some of these emissions for ozone, but it also affects benzene Which is not a not not specifically in ozone emission, but one of the things was to put these uh, little plastic um, uh, Stoppers on the ends of the uh, when you fill your tank the, the, the thing that you put into the car So yeah, the nozzle. Thank (laughs) you. That's the word I was looking for. So I can't believe I came up with that. So, so when, when that area dropped below 70, um, that restriction was lifted and so they no longer had to do it. Um, One of the other, other things that occurred, one of the, one of the reasons why uh, the ozone emissions have dropped is also because of, improvements in automobiles over time in the fact that old automobiles have gotten off the road. So that's uh, in those five okay. parishes. So, so you put all those things together, ozone has dropped. It's still at 70, which many scientists say is still too high uh, a limit and uh, continues to have court issues over that. But it, it at least in those five parishes, um, you know, rather unusual in Louisiana to see Parishes dropping out of restrictions well
1: when you when you don't monitor near the a major source of pollution which is the refineries and the chemical plants uh it's amazing how miraculously your air quality will improve and so that's a big that's a big part of the story and i'd like to just point out that in this study this benzene study we know that the the benzene that they were talking about in the study is from the refineries because they controlled for any sort of background benzene so this list that shows our neighbor here chalmette refining as a serious polluter of benzene you know you can't put that on any other source in the parish other than smack it so what that actually
0: means is that um it's even worse because (laughs) if you add on the other sources to that we're getting even higher than what's being measured at the uh, fence line as you said um uh spoiler alert i'm going to come back to you mark a little bit uh further on because I want to get into this chronology that is frightening about how um, the business interests in the state have okay, been be, fighting
2: be, before you do let me just point out that Ann's organization is one of the sponsors of the report that my story was based on
0: sure I'm not surprised to hear that. That was the impression I was getting. But, um, and I also just want to tell everybody in my audience, because I know this is rough stuff, and you don't tune out, okay, guys? Because the second half of the show, we are going to um, turn to the love part of my program. We're doing Pollution and Love today, and the second part is going to be this amazing... Um, playlist of of love songs that I have put together. Some of my personal favorites from the fifties. Yeah, I'm not old, all the way till now. I mean, I do have Lizzo. How, how can I not? Um, but I I also go all the way back to um, you know Frankie Lyman and Why Do Fools Fall in Love. Junior high school. It was a big. It was a big thing. So um, we have some fun lined up too. However, let's deal with very serious stuff. I mean. I, I'm tempted to just like, before I turn this over to the author, I just want to sort of um, roll through my head, my, um, my highlights that I underlined in her very significant and long and, and comprehensive story um, of some of the uh, points that I said, oh, my God, every time I read this. So legislators, you know, we just recently pushed back in, in primarily, I think, two parts of the state on the tax incentives being given to petrochemical companies for a minuscule number of jobs in relation to the amount of money that the state has said, hey, Geismar, or hey, um, uh, East Baton Rouge, or um, uh, there's one other area that I'm I'm forgetting the name of right now that was uh, St. John the Baptist uh, Baptist Parish. Um, You've got to give up, you know, um, eight figures of money that you might otherwise use for your schools to these petrochemical companies because they're bringing in jobs, right? Okay, maybe they bring in 50 jobs. That is not a, a, a quid pro quo, to use a familiar term these days, for the amount of money that they are getting. So um, there's been some pushback. And, and, and Edwards, to his credit, the governor passed a law not too long ago. Date? 2016. 2016, that said, okay, a locality can determine whether it wants to give that or not. Well, you can imagine, first of all, that resulted in the pushbacks. And then, of course, what happens when you have that kind of resistance to giving money away to the big corporations? they're pushing back. So what's in play now and why this is an important discussion right now, and I really want you to think about how you can be active in this discussion, is that the lobbyists are up there in Baton Rouge as we speak working to get rid of that regulation that allows a locality to determine whether it has to give up millions and millions of dollars from its, say, school system where it could train its kids for the new economy that's developing, and instead give it to petrochemical companies, which is definitely an industry of the past. Uh, and it would be nice if they would sort of recognize that and get on with the business of finding renewable energy sources. All right, so legislators are trying to reduce local officials newly won power to decide whether to exempt industry from local taxes. These are my these are my little underlinings. Um, the, these experts filed an ambitious lawsuit that aimed to hold oil and gas companies accountable for damaging coastal wetlands and state officials undermined it. Um, that was, you may be familiar with the time when the some of the members of the levy board, including a brave soul named John Barry, who got dumped off the um, levy for his work, his good work for us, um, brought suit and said, hey, you know what? Way back there, when all these oil and and petrochemical companies were given the right to um, uh, mine our land and our waters here, um, they had an obligation to clean up. Guess what? They never did. Pretty reasonable to hold them to their contracts, right? But no, of course, they are fighting that tooth and nail. So that's that's in process right now as we speak, too. But that executive order that the governor passed that uh, gave localities, that is the target of the lobbyists as we speak. And even Edwards himself seems to be waffling on it. And I don't know what his current position on it is, but I'll tell you one thing you want to do is call his office and leave a message. Please don't take away a community's right to control funding taxes that should be coming to them to help their communities. That's, that's essentially the message. So um, a broad swath of local officials fought to kill A bill that would have um, uh, trashed the right of these communities. Uh, And then there's a lot of back and forth here. And just time after time, they've come back. And and various legislators have, I mean, lobbyists have tried to um, work with uh, certain legislators who would have um, really helped them uh, once again get those credits. And and, uh, one of the, I have X's name next to the bad guy's name, so... (laughs) Barry Ivey, Republican Central, shame on you. Okay. And um, let's see. Uh, on the other hand, the local officials, the sheriffs and school boards and parish governments have been fighting for this right now. I don't know where they are right now. You're, my, my friends in the studio here are going to tell me. Um, and then um, Louisiana's coastlands, of course, are under siege from a number of different reasons, but um, the Pipelines are, are one of them, and the failure to clean up and, and to uh, prevent the damage that they're creating. Um, there's 10,000 miles of canals that have been or are being dredged.
3: They have been dredged. Exactly. <laughs> have been dredged
0: to accommodate the pipelines, basically?
3: Uh, pipelines and also um, bringing equipment in and out to these oil and gas uh,
0: in 2013, wow. the board that oversees flood protection uh, in most of metropolitan New Orleans filed a an audacious lawsuit that sought to hold nine oil and gas companies accountable for damaging the region's um, natural flood defenses. <clears throat> that's the levy board um, measure I was talking about, right? Or is that
3: different? Uh, I'm not sure. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh,
2: if, if you don't mind, um, the yeah the. The 2013 lawsuit was by the by the levy authority, uh, and it uh, it was thrown out uh, by a federal judge. Uh, there's a, a bunch of other lawsuits that were filed by parishes locals, that you know, are that are filed under state law. The fe- the the levy authority. suit— Those
0: says, are still in play, right? The,
2: right. The levy authority Barely. suit was filed under federal uh, mentioned federal laws, and and so the federal court took it over. But the, all the state law uh, lawsuits have been returned to state court after the companies tried to get them moved to federal court. And the federal court said, no, it's correct. And so they're moving forward and, and something may happen with them in the future.
0: So I, I think maybe I shouldn't try to go through every last one of these because it just it's over. And essentially, let me summarize by saying over and over and over again, uh, industry leaders have tried to kill communities' rights to control pollution in their neighborhoods and to retain tax funds that they badly need to help their citizens. With that summary, let me turn it over to Sarah. And Sarah, I guess I have two questions. One, um, first of all, this is just an exhaustive, and I I do recommend the story because the name of the story is is a quote from, a woman in one of the communities who says, basically, if I can find it, the power headline."
3: Um, yeah, I think it says, "The plants have so much power." Right. The plants have so much power."
0: Where are we now? What's coming up, and realistically, how and this is a question for Anne as well how are we going to um, win this battle? We the communities?
3: well i'll leave the win the battle part up to ann but i'll say that um you mentioned you mentioned this part already a little bit but the industrial tax exemption program there are going to be attempts in this upcoming legislative session to change that and there may be attempts to roll that uh, back to the state's hands as you said so previously for 80 years the state state board had control over whether uh, industry could get exemptions to local taxes. That's um, property taxes that would have gone to, like you said, school boards, also sheriff's office, your parish um, board, as well as your city board. Um, and so in 2016, uh, the governor signed an executive order that allowed um, these municipalities and parishes to and school boards to vote on whether they wanted to allow exemptions um, to their uh, bottom line, and they have you know some of these uh, boards have said that they can't afford it. Some school boards who are um, desperate for money have said that they can't afford to give um, large tax breaks to these companies, and um, and in response, uh, some um, lobbyists have tried to uh, push this back to the state board. Lobbyists and legislators, and yeah, lobbyists speaking to legislators, yeah, or working through legislators, yeah, that's correct and um and something that's coming up come to, came up recently was that um the governor is working on a deal that might be basically allow these companies to get exemptions from um, expansions that happened before they're asking for the exemption so the idea behind itep is that it would bring jobs that didn't exist previously to the state because new facilities are being built and um that's kind of doesn't quite work out in your mind. If you think that they already built whatever project that they are building or have already made the expansion, and then they're asking for the exemption, then how does that work that it brought jobs that wouldn't have otherwise existed? Exactly.
0: Um, And um, give give me a little play by play here, you know, sort of like the pre game analysis Mm -hmm. um, of, of how you see things moving forward in the legislature and, and, um, realistically, what is the most effective thing um, your average citizen um, at home can do to um, uh, uh, advance the protection of our environment? And, and channeling, uh, this is my solution, is channeling our economic development energy into other industry areas that are more productive and less damaging.
1: That, that's, your point is a great point. Just as an, as an example, right now in St. James Parish, one of the world's largest plastic plants is slated for construction, a Taiwanese company called Formosa Plastics. Formosa. You can't. That's but, not a good word. You, I know. You can't build it in Taiwan because the, the laws that protect health are too strict. So where do they turn? They turn to Louisiana. The state of Louisiana didn't just give them a tax exemption. Gave them a grant of $12 million for job creation. Now, tell me what the parish of St. James might have done with that $12 million. How many jobs might you or I create with that amount of money? It's, it's, really, it's really off the charts now as far as an equal playing field. But I think that the good news in all of this, the silver lining, is that the, the industry is now very clearly trying to stifle democracy. If you look at what they're doing, it's all very underhanded. They're, Sarah's article details how they're outlawing protests how they're trying to legislate laws out of existence, how they uh, you know, tried to kneecap the Tulane Environmental Law Clinic from representing oh, people. Oh, I didn't mention that yeah. one. That one killed and, me. And so, they they but,
0: literally are trying to kill funding for the law clinics in our universities because they were trying to help, help communities.
1: People. It's a desperate move. It's a desperate move. If you are on the right side and if events are trending with you, then you don't resort to these measures that are straight out of Vladimir Putin's toolbox. The question for us in Louisiana is, can we save our state before they wreck it, right? There's no doubt, you know, what my whole life mission is a phase out of fossil fuels in my lifetime. I think this is going to happen. Right. If you look at the stock exchange, you stop. look at. Cole, yes. Stop. Yes. What
0: on earth makes you think it's going to happen?
1: Look at look, look at the stock exchange. Where is Exxon Mobil, Right. The energy sector is weighing everything down. Right. It's weighing it down. It's not. Uh, it, the tech companies are doing well. Other sectors are doing well. Energy stocks are tanking. Around here in Louisiana, you wouldn't know it because our government props them up, and because they're operating on steroids right now, right? With these handouts, so they're they're going to go, right? If you look, if you, I mean, Jim Cramer, if anybody follows him, he's a he's a money guy on on uh, I think it's on CNBC, extremely conservative, very pro oil. Two weeks ago, he's on his show saying. It's there the tobacco of our time. I would never invest in ExxonMobil. These new money managers are not interested in it, right? Um, But unfortunately, in our state, we haven't, as you're pointing out, caught up to things. And so on the one hand, we have these really regressive, uh, authoritarian-style lobbyists and legislators who are doing some of the work that Sarah notes in her article. Um, And on the other, we have these companies that are quite powerful, that are you know, drowning our state in pollution and um, and in destruction of our coast. And so anybody who's listening, you know, call one of the many great organizations that's uh, that's active here, 350 New Orleans, the Alliance for Affordable Energy, uh, the Diller Deep South Center for Environmental Justice. There's my group, the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. Write a letter to the editor about Sarah's article and Mark's ongoing work. You know, if people just pick up the phone, pick up a pen, get at your computer – uh, you know, when you talk to regular people, most of us agree that the industry's a problem now. We just don't think we can beat it. And that's the chasm we have.
0: You know, I, I think we
1: ought to hear more from Sarah. I'm going to be quiet because she wrote a great piece.
0: There, there's a there's a there was an article in um, yesterday's I think it was yesterday. It might have been this morning because I read the New York Times midnight. So uh, but it was about the um, well, oh, gosh, which tribe is it? A tribe in the Northwest that has been blocking um, certain uh, traffic stops between Canada and America to uh, prevent the pipeline from being built. And, um, you know, the, the past efforts on the part of the Native Americans or indigenous people has not been wildly successful. So, But they did make the point that, Whatever the outcome, they will have called attention to what was happening, which most people don't realize. What's interesting, really, is that that pipeline, tell me I'm wrong, comes right down here.
1: I don't know about that pipeline in particular. Many, many do. I mean, but let's look at, you know, positive trends. In West Wego, the Jefferson Parish Council, what, two weeks ago, booted out a Chinese firm that wanted to come and build a chemical plant. You know, this happened about six months after we ran it out of St. James Parish. You know, there are wins here, and our plan, our our trajectory, we hope, is momentum on, on these things. I mean, again, these guys are desperate. You do not stifle democracy if you have a winning hand. Excellent quote. You should use
0: that. <laughs> so, Sarah, well, from, from your perspective, and Mark, from your perspective as journalists, how do you see this playing out in this session of the legislature, for one, and going forward? Because... You know, I I think it's easy for a lot of us out here who are worried about the environment but but feel so um, uh, overwhelmed by the power of the lobbyists and these big corporations that we sort of feel like, oh, it's hopeless. You know, how are we ever going to change it? Now, I was involved with America's Wetland way back in the beginning of um, this century uh, before Katrina. And uh, we were we were very, um, I think, effective in raising the concept of coastal erosion. I take some credit for it. I mean, the journalists have to take a lot of credit, but we, we did. I even as far back as 1973 was doing a story about people living without energy because of the oil crisis at that time, and I uh, ran into a crab um, uh, fisherman. I don't know what to call him, crab fisherman, crabber, crabber out on the water, and I was saying, you know, uh, you know, how things going, or you know, whatever an innocuous question I asked, and he said, "Lady." would you please tell them that our land is evaporating because of these canals, would you please? So I started paying attention to what was going on with the EPA and you know what I found out? Nothing, nothing was going on with the EPA in the state, the state EPA. Where, from your perspective guys, where, where, where is our opportunity? Where is, where are we going? Uh, do, do we have a, a fight or, or is it a losing battle? Okay. So
2: um, uh, we have a, a rather conservative legislature. Rather. Um, um, the Republican Party uh, is controlling both the House and the Senate, uh, more in the Senate, uh, very similar to what's happened in Congress. Um, and uh, uh, if there's a positive thing going on this year, it's that the legislature is going to be largely focused on um, – on, um, dealing with issues involving, uh, car insurance and, uh, um, and lawsuits. Uh, so, uh, they'll be getting to, to, to the environmental stuff, I think, third or fourth on their list. Um, the, uh, but, <clears throat> but if there's a, you know, I, 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 I don't see much chance of the public. Pushing back on this, unless they actually do push back, and everybody calls their uh, legislators to to talk about it. I mean, that's just the reality of it: is that the legislators listen to their constituents. So that's that's a that's going to be a key issue. Um, I'm, I have not looked at what the legislation is that's in that's in the hopper yet. It's still fairly early for the you know the session hasn't started yet. Um, you know, the only thing that we do know... But that this is
0: about when the dirty work gets done right now, right? Right, right. In, in, in smoke-filled rooms, really as is. they say.
2: Uh, this, this is the point where uh, the lobbyists are putting together bills that they will provide to legislators to dump in the hopper.
0: So, so even though we don't know the details yet, it sure wouldn't hurt for people to be calling their legislators now. And you know what? I say not just their own legislators, but call all those bad guys, too. Put a little pressure on them. I mean... Clearly, from our experience in Washington, pressure doesn't necessarily work, right? But you never know. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's certainly uh, for those who are sitting at home and instead of watching today's uh, run of soap operas, if they picked up a few phones, pick up, pick up the phones and call a few legislators out of the blue, just say, I'm a citizen of Louisiana, and I hope that you're going to be on the side of our citizens and not just the... Um, cash for corporations. Yeah, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll point out that there are that, that we're at a point uh, where the state is in the midst of a huge construction boom that we've been talking about. It's largely funded, it's largely fueled by uh, the creation of cheap natural gas from uh, uh, fracking largely in the northwest part of the state uh, that has been going on since 2008. And
0: Another wonderful um, invention for the for the uh, communities, so and I, you, I don't think we've heard enough about the impact of that fracking, by well, the way, up there.
2: Well, the, the, the is, the that, key, on, the is key that on your impact, hit list? The key impact is that a lot of these uh, expansions are going on. That's where that's what's causing these expansions is the fact that they've got cheap natural gas to use, plus the offshore, um, uh, 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 Louise, uh, the, uh liquefied natural gas facilities. There are six. Proposed for the state, three of them are under construction or completed, and uh, the ones that are that haven't really started construction yet are all in Plaquemines Parish, and uh, they are going to have new pipelines coming to them that are going to cross the state, and those pipelines are in the permitting process right now. So those are things that are going to happen. I don't know that there will be additional. uh, the kinds of um, objections made by the, the public um, uh, demonstrations along the pathways of these things that occurred with, uh, by, with the Bayou Bridge. But it, it could very well be that some of these pipelines are going to go through wetlands uh, just like these others have, and uh, those fights may uh, erupt again. So we might see additional efforts made to, to deal with that.
0: I'm not letting you off. Okay. <laughs> so I, I need to hear what you're most concerned about and, and what you feel, um, Sarah, uh, it would be the most effective and focused because none of us have enough time these days because we spend so much time looking at our screens and dealing with stuff that's irrelevant. But um, <laughs> when we're not doing that, what can we be doing to have some impact on all this? What's um, Where do you see the pressure points?
3: Well, I'm going to... Um... Answer this a little bit different way, okay. but um, I think it's really interesting to see the the different attempts being made by those who are trying to bring attention to um, climate change. For for um for example, in Louisiana, several tribes recently filed a petition with the United Nations, saying that their human rights have been violated because Louisiana legislators, um, Louisiana government and the United States government hasn't done enough to protect them from sea level rise and climate change. I think that's a really interesting tactic um, that's, you know been done before, but I think it's interesting to see these tribes coming together in Louisiana, and one Alaska t- tribe was um, also on that petition. So I, I think that you do see um, Louisiana residents continuing to push back despite uh, you know, oil and gas lobbyists who try to squash their protests. And you also mentioned before um, the indigenous people who were trying to stop the pipeline in the north. There was an indigenous woman in my story who also um, was trying to stop a pipeline here in Louisiana and um and White Hat. She yeah. was arrested um, and uh, two felonies are still hanging over her head. But there's a lawsuit um, that her and others have uh, filed. Uh, against the a g for this for basically saying that the law that um, resulted in the felony accounts for uh, pro- for trespassing on critical infrastructure, which is oil and gas um, mm-hmm. property is unconstitutional it is unconstitutional, yep. so that'll be interesting to see what happens with that so there um, yeah there are, there's a lot of uh, different avenues besides just legislation that um, we're going to see. In the future
0: i would have to conclude uh, one word that might apply to the state of louisiana right now as compared with when i first came here is woke i think we are you know, you know you know the expression woke so we we are definitely woke about environmental challenges and by the way one of the important things that has been noted recently was in your article and has been in a, quite a few articles is that black communities have particularly been victimized by these corporations they felt that was like the easier um, way to play and i'm not sure why maybe lack of resources to fight them off uh, lack of awareness of what they're doing um, so that h- hopefully is changing because again there's been some pushback in, in some of the black communities that have definitely caught up with what's going on can i can i talk about that real quickly please um
2: you know the the, the reality is and i use i use the term chemical corridor rather than than Cancer Alley, Um, uh, largely because it's so difficult to to identify cancer cases and say, this cancer was caused by this or whatever. But there's no question that uh, we've got health effects in those areas. But the reality is that the majority of the chemical facilities that have moved into South Louisiana along the Mississippi River move there for three key, four key reasons, fresh water from the Mississippi River, um, the uh, uh, cheap availability of natural gas and oil, uh, and uh, and the ability of and, and the cheap availability of salt from all the salt domes in our area. Um, I didn't but, know about that. But the, but the reality is that when they look for places to buy, they were looking along the river at a time in the fifties and sixties when land when uh, it, land was cheap, but more importantly. The land, the, the the purchase of that property and its ability to build was cre- was controlled by uh, uh, local governments that were run by whites in communities that were largely black, hmm. um, that were basically African American communities that had been there since uh, before the Civil War and. You know, those communities have, have always been there. In the years that have followed, things have changed. we finally moved into, you know, at least the 20th century, if not yet the 21st century, in terms of uh, representation in, by, um, uh, of African Americans in our local governments. Uh, that has changed some of that. But the legislature uh, has, uh, because of those past regulations that were discussed, uh, it makes it very difficult for local communities to deal with these issues. And that's something that I know uh, people like Bob Bullard have uh, tagged as uh, environmental justice issues.
1: So, wait, wait I'm, I've got to say, in St. James Parish 2020, they are trying to ram through one of the world's largest plastics plants in the highest majority black district in the parish. This is not something that's relegated to the 1950s, it is happening now. They want to ram Formosa Plastics into the fifth district, ninety percent African American.
0: Okay, so um, I, I want to um, I want to ask one fact that I just want a, a kind of a, a number answer because I am totally way out of time, and uh, and then and I'm going to ask you to close off with how people can reach your organization because you're certainly a, a fountainhead in a sense of um, some of the pushback and the efforts to try to uh, do something about what's going on. What percentage of the land of Louisiana, do we know the answer to this, is now controlled by petrochemical uh, plants? I'd like to know that number. I have a feeling it's frightening.
3: Yeah, I I did, uh, a while back, I did do a story about some Native Americans who were trying to get federal recognition, which would allow them to claim their ancestral land. And um, I I found a map that, showed, you know, who owns the property around them. And it's, you know, our coast is 80 percent, 80 to 90 percent privately owned. And most of that is uh, oil and gas companies.
0: Not a pretty picture. And how can people connect with you so that they can get involved?
1: We are the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. Uh, You can just email us us at info at labucketbrigade.org. Look at our website, just Google us, and, and you'll find ways to contact us. And then there are a lot of great groups in the city. I mentioned some of them. Uh, and people are going at this issue in a lot of different ways, very interesting ways. So just find the, the way that, that fits you best. And, uh, and
0: But you can be a source on, on... Oh, absol- yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I wish I had more time for you all, but I have to get on to love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it we is have Valentine's to... Day. It is Valentine's it's Day. It's a
2: volatile subject.
0: It's a volatile subject as well, <laughs> yes. And a lot of chemistry involved too, right? <laughs> Thank you all. Keep at it. Uh, stay in touch with me. Always make sure that I know what you're up to. And um, I can't miss you know, a full page of, um, of uh, the chronology. This chronology was just devastating. Thank you so much. Um, Mark Schlifstein, Sarah Sneath, and Ann Rolfs. Thank you all very much. Now, folks, I am going to take a quick um, before before we... Oh, it, the, the music is rolling. These are love songs. I'm going to talk over them just for a couple of seconds, if that's okay, as they uh, start going. And uh, these are all my favorites from the 50s forward. Yes, I'm that old, uh, but I wanted to share all that love with you. But I also wanted to, you know what? I'm going to save my suggestions from people on innovative and creative Valentine's for my newsletter for next week. So you can just listen and enjoy this music.
4: Look at this face I,
5: got a minute. I know the years are showing Look at this life I still don't know where it's going I don't know much But I know I love you
6: And that may be all I need to know
7: Look at these eyes, they've never seen what matter. Look at these dreams, so big and so better
0: So this is Gene Nathan with love. Sorry I didn't get to and and Drake, but maybe next time. Thank you, Lee, so much for getting this together for us. And you all enjoy. Valentine's Day and and be loving to the people that you love and love you. Gene Nathan, Cross Town Conversations, WBOK.